welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Hallelujah. So 2,000 years ago, nearly, we live in that intriguing period of history between 2,000 years ago, the birth of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So it's quite an auspicious 33 years to live, really, isn't it? Um, But around 2,000 years ago, Pentecost happened. Jesus had died. He'd come back to his followers. They'd been seen by him at one time, 500 people in one place. And then he was taken from them. Numbers certainly dwindled. There was 120 would gather together in, a, in an upper room, presumably some kind of room that was hidden from people because they didn't want to be discovered. And there they waited because that's what Jesus had said. Because we cannot do what God has called us to do without him. And we need that filling of the Holy Spirit. It can be mystified and talked about and analysed and theologized and everything else. And believe me, some of us have studied all those things, but it always just comes back to being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's right. Being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And on this day of Pentecost, memory, I originally thought, you know, it would be a sermon on the Holy Spirit and a, and a rousing talk and a pouring out of God And God spoke to me through something Jamie said to me in the week. Uh, A verse that he shared with me, which was the one I read. And the passage I read, don't you you find it amazing that you read something that's written around 2,700 years ago? One, that we can just read it, we have access to it. How many other 2,700 books do you read? Not many, I guess. I mean, I know it was originally written in Hebrew and everything, but, you know, we have the translation, and we have such an accurate translation of the Bible, it's, it's unbelievable how accurate it is. And here it is, speaking from an older person to younger people, and we're all younger people in this room, aren't we? Yeah, you, you, some of the older ones are more enthusiastic on that than the younger ones. But... And he says, this is the secret of well-being. This is the secret of your life having favour upon it. This is the secret of your life being prosperous. This is the secret of a life of peace. And I thought, well, why preach on that on Pentecost? Because the Lord says, you need to trust me in this to let the Holy Spirit work through you. Because if you don't trust me in this, you're not going to trust me to let the Spirit lead you into all the other things. This is like Room 101, the basic stuff. And God said, just, Paul, (laughs) just share that. So that's all I'm going to do. I hadn't actually got very much to say this morning already. And then I found out we're going to do something else. Well, I didn't find out. I kind of forgot and got reminded. Um, that we were doing something else today anyway, which is coming up before the end. So that's good. So this is going to be very short. But actually, it's the secret of well-being. And it's aimed at everyone. It's aimed at everyone that wants to follow God and wants to know Jesus and wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't forget my teachings. 
says this wise teacher, writing 2,700 years ago. And I'm going to finish, actually, this section with a hymn that was written, 200, coincidentally, 270 years ago. 2,700 and 270, that's funny. But 270 is still quite a long time ago. But I, was li- I listened to this hymn this morning written by Charles Wesley, and it was like, that's, that's good. He knew the Lord, <laughs> says me. A man that changed the world, certainly changed this nation with his brother John. But, and we'll listen to that to respond to this. But it's a very, very simple thing. And it, it really just... Let's jump straight in with verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's it. In fact, you could just read the first bit. Trust in the Lord. I think God's got a really simple message for us right now at this time. If you think back to the, this event that we just had, and in terms of lives changed from what people said to me and the cards that were given to me, it was one of the most profound this events that we've ever had, particularly for people that were visiting. I mean, I know of two leaders that uh, completely came back to God, completely changed. One, one, one of the leaders, it was their last Christian event. And they had books, so they came, but it was the last thing they were going to do. It was, their, it was going to be their last Christian event, and they were giving up. And they met with God, and God spoke to them, and they went home a very, very different person. Another leader for whom, I'm not really sure how long, but hasn't ministered for a a good few years because of situations that they've been through. Completely meeting with God and completely changing. People, the healings that happened. I mean, one person, um, you know, that it was like healing everywhere. It was in her leg, it was in her knee, it was in her hip, it was in her arm, and it was in her head. And these weren't just, oh, I hurt my arm this morning. They were rooted in things that happened three years ago, and the pain had continued ever since. And it's all gone, and it's still all gone. There was a lot of stories of pain going. If you, missed, uh, if you missed this, one of the talks Paul gave was about sitting in your chair. I mean, last time he spoke about finding your song, so I guess it was a similar analogy. But, or finding your sound, I should say. But it was about finding what God is doing with you and walking in that, and walking in that, and walking in that. You know? Ron here, he likes to make Jesus known, so he just needs to do that. And there'll be other things to do, but that is what will bring well-being into his life. Trust the Lord. Martin over there, he's a church minister that works in a factory. He's not supposed to be working here in this building. He's supposed to be working in his factory where he ministers the life of God to many people that don't yet know him. I pick on him because he's such a great example, but there's many others of us here because you know of him. And it's finding, well, what has God called me to? You walk in that and you trust God, therefore, I'm doing what he's called me to. This is giving me a bit of bounce and the fruit will be there. Alex, he's good with kids. He leads the the children's work. He's our worship leader. 
He's doing what God's called him to do. So it's fruitful. Sometimes, like all these things, there can be an incredible challenge to continue doing what God has called us to do. Because the enemy does not like it. But that's what he's called to, and that's where the fruit is. Sounds like they're having fun out there. Or not. Trust in the Lord. But the theme of this was very, very similar. That's why I was mentioning it. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? So it's two very simple things. Do you believe this? Trust me. And I guess that's all that God is asking of us. Do you believe me? Do you believe this? Trust me. Sometimes it feels like everything's coming against it. And what I liked about this Charles Wesley hymn, as you'll see, was it's not just a song of victory, although it is a song of victory. It acknowledges, I've been through some stuff. (laughs) At the start of it, it talks about a storm and a tempest. And it's likely that he's referring to one of his journeys to America, the one where he initially went out to America. And him and John went to America, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, uh, and they went through some terrible storms on the ship. And that first trip to America was a complete failure, really. They ended up sort of coming home with their tail between their legs. And uh, it was only when John Wesley began to talk with a Moravian pastor that he began to find faith. True faith. Trusting God. But a lot of people speculate in the hymn that the tempest and the storm that it refers to is to do with the actual storm of being in a ship and thinking you're going to drown. But life can seem like a storm and a tempest and you think you're going to drown sometimes. So he's using it as an analogy. But trust in the Lord. The word trust there is batar or something like that. I'm not really great at my Hebrew pronunciation. You can check with Richard and Joyce later. Greek's my thing, but Hebrew's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, And it means to rely on somebody for security. I mean, it's trust, but it's just good to remind, it means to get your security from God. I mean, if you trust God, what, what is there to worry about? I mean, what is the worst that can really happen to us? Die, I guess. Where do we go? Yeah, it's not actually a bad option. We don't want it to happen now. I don't particularly want it to happen this afternoon. But if it happens this afternoon to me, I know where I'm going. We all know where we're going. Trust the Lord. His plans for you are good. That's what he says. But then he just adds, for all your, with all your heart, trust in the Lord, rely on someone for your security, rely on God for your security, with all your heart. And the, the Hebrew there is like your entire inner being, everything that is about you, everything you are. Not just a, yeah, I trust God, it's fine. I, I trust there'll be another prime minister after Theresa May. Yeah, I trust that, that'll happen. It's so much more. It's, it's engaging of everything that you are. That mind, will, and emotions that I mentioned just earlier. This, this is about relationship. This is about walking with God. This is about the divine dance. Again and again, you'll just find in God's word, it always comes back to relationship. 
the relationship of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that divine dance, it's, it's the core of everything that God is, even in the Old Testament. Come into relationship with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The leaning is, is literally, can I borrow you for a minute, Brian? It, it, it means this. If you could just stand there. There you go. I'll fall over now if he moves. Can you trust God so that if he moves, he's a lot stronger than Brian. He's just about standing there. I'm a bit heavy. That, he won't let you fall. Just about to fall. <laughs> Brian's not God, so, you know, he's a pretty good friend. I can really lean on him. You think of the... Uh, what, does, what, what deepness is in that word? That's actually what it just means. Just lean on him. And if God were to let go, you'd fall. Not hold a little bit back. A little bit of security. A little bit of, well, I'll try this out, but I know that if it doesn't work, it's okay, because I've got this pot of money over here. Or I've got those friends over there. So that's okay. I, I, can, I can just leave that. You know, but I trust God. If it doesn't work, it's fine. Now, lean on God means lean until if you, it all goes wrong, you're just going to be flat on the floor. Yes, yes, yes. Because that's trust. Do you believe this? Yes. I'm <laughs> going to get away from that, are we? I tell you, there is the, the temptation to keep using do you believe this prior to this, prior to this, was so strong. Yes. It slipped out a couple of times. Lean not on your own understanding. It means... The understanding there, it could also be discernment. So many people, it says, don't trust your own discernment. It's not saying never use your discernment. God has given us a mind. He hasn't removed your mind. He's put the mind of Christ within you. But you have a mind. But it's not just trusting in your own discernment. Because you will be deceived. When there are decisions to make that are going to change your life, your family's life, the way, where you live, what job you have, don't just trust your own discernment. It's deadly. It's, it's where the enemy can just come in, feed a little thing into your flesh that feels good, and you think it's God. Because we're all capable of doing that quite easily. So what do you do then? Well, obviously you do it before God, but if we only listen to God, we're still quite open to being misled. Because our own flesh and our own heart, our own desires, can completely take us off in funny directions. And if you really like something, if you're really passionate for something, you want to do it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, nobody ever took drugs because they really thought it would do them harm. I mean, I know it's a strange message, but usually you take them to make you feel better in some way. We all know that it leads to disastrous consequences, but the short term is I feel better. Why do people get drunk to forget everything and feel better? We do enough with street angels to know that that doesn't necessarily last very long. as they're staggering in the street and being ill. But why do people get drunk to have a good time, they'll say. They want to forget their worries, forget their fears. And it's so easy to do things that are harmful because it feels good. Why do people smoke? It's like, that's another one. Another few minutes of my life. That's another few minutes of my life. You know, the, the, the evidence is irrefutable. 
You might be one of the very lucky few that manages to live to 96 and smoke them all their life. There's always somebody that knows somebody that knew somebody that once heard about somebody that knew somebody that lived to 96 and smoked all their life. So yeah, you could be that 96-year-old. But most people who smoke die of smoking or a related disease, don't they? I'm not speaking that over you, that's just it. But you still smoke because it feels good. Helps you to relax. Sure the Lord isn't that bothered. <coughs> you think to yourself. That's what we think about all things that are not of God. I'm sure the Lord's not that bothered. He might not have even noticed. He's only bothered because he cares for you. He's not interested in judging you and putting a big finger for whatever it is, whatever is our particular vice. He just wants us to live in the freedom of that. It's not that we judge somebody that smokes or takes drugs or drink or anything. It's not our job to judge them. It's our job to communicate the love of God to them so that they can be free. Hallelujah. It'd be very easy for the majority of us, but not all of us, a sizable minority, have struggled with drugs. But those that haven't, it's very easy to judge those that have struggled. And without even thinking about it, you can feel a tiny little bit superior because you never have. I mean, it's getting trendy to confess. When I was at university, I smoked cannabis. You know, even Michael Gove is admitting, uh, admit, uh, admitting to taking drugs. You wonder whether he's trying to appeal to people. Oh, I'm just normal. But the reality is most of us haven't. So it's easy to look at somebody else and think, I've never had that issue. I'm a little bit better. No, you're not. You just have different issues. And in fact, if that's ever going through our heart, I'm going to be a little bit better. That's one of your issues. <laughs> you know, this, this is a place. How many times have we talked about the woman at the well and Jesus sitting next to the unacceptable woman? This is a well. Amen, amen, amen. We, and, and when people come in here that are unacceptable in other places, it's a cause to rejoice that they can feel welcome. Because if we haven't got people in here that are struggling with all these things and other things as well, what are we doing? Exactly. Are we telling people, once you've cleaned yourself up, you might be able to get into church? Or are we saying, come here and we'll help you? We'll love you. We'll accept you as you are to see you free in Jesus. And if they never decide to accept Jesus, we still love them. If they're living a life that we think, well, that's not God's plan, that's pretty... <gasps> We love them, because that's our job. That's right. We're not called to judge or correct. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're called to disciple and mentor one another, but that's another story. But do you trust God with all your heart? Will you not lean on your own discernment or your own understanding, but trust him, but also those that God has put around you? Look around this room right now. There's a lot of wise, discerning people in this room. That's why we have to be honest with one another. And when somebody says, do you think this is a good idea and we don't, we should say. But also we need to be grown up and mature enough that when somebody says, I don't agree with you, it doesn't mean we're enemies. They might be wrong. But that you asked them and they gave their honest opinion. I'd rather somebody got it wrong and told me, no, I don't think that's of God than just agreed because they don't want to upset me. Wouldn't you? Yes. Do you just want people around you to say, yeah, that's great, yeah, that's great, that's, yeah, that's great, and then you fall over. 
because God was never there to lean on in the first place. You were doing your own thing. It sounded good. Or maybe the friend that just says, I don't know. I'll pray. I'll try and hear God for you. Or the friend that just says, I'm really not sure about this. Or the friend that says, look, this seems really good. I'm really with you on this. But let's continue to seek God. Why don't we take it to our house church leadership? Why don't we take it to the leadership? So that as a church, we're discerning. I mean, as we said before, you don't need to do this over the colour of your socks. But there are issues that we should share. Because otherwise, we're leaning on our own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Do you believe this? In all your ways, now here, this is a 2011 NIV. It says, in all your ways, submit to him. If you've got an older version or a different version, it might say, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And when I was reading it, I used the word, know him. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your path straight. It's because the word know there is the Hebrew word yada. And yada is about knowing somebody in an intimate relationship. So it's a lot more than acknowledge, which is why they've changed it to submit. Because if you're in an intimate relationship with God, you will be in submission to him because you can't not be. There's no such thing as loving God and doing what you want. If you, lo- if you say, I love God and do what you want, you don't really. You love your version of him, which says, I can do whatever I like, but I love God. You don't. That's like having a, 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 a good friend and saying, I love that good friend, but you steal from them. I love them, though. I love them. But, uh, yeah, I steal from them. Time, money, food, whatever. It's not really love, is it? So if you love God, and you know, therefore you know who he is, you will submit to him. Does that make sense? I know, it's Pentecost. But actually, that's, the Lord is just saying, just trust me. All the promises, all the, all the five um, foundations that I've given you, all the five words that I've spoken over you, that you're resisting the enemy in, trust me, you're going to see them all. Many more salvations, finances, healings, miracle, extraordinary miracles, and promises fulfilled. Do you trust him? To lean not on your own understanding or the understanding of the times or the Daily Mail or the Guardian or the Morning Star or whatever or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Do you trust God? I'm just about there. This, this, this is it. And then we'll play that hymn and then we'll do the last bit. What happens when all this goes on? In all your ways, submit to him, or in all your ways, know him, discern him, experience him, confess him, consider him, have a relational experience with him, and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight, upright, smooth, pleasing. That's what it means. Trust God, and you'll see it through. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. There's that fear the Lord again that the Lord keeps talking to us about. Shun evil. Don't get involved with it. Don't think, oh, I'll be fine. Shun it. Not shun people. Shun sin. That's right. That's right. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth. Why is that there in trust in the Lord? Honour the Lord with all your wealth, with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Why is that there? Because to give to God, you have to trust Him. 
Because often you're giving money that you could have done with. Giving to the Lord is not seeing what you've got left over. Giving to the Lord is the first fruit. It's our first consideration. And giving to the Lord can mean giving into this community and it can mean giving to somebody else generously next door to you in this context. But it's honouring God. It's not mine, it's his. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You see, 2,700 years ago, someone was writing, you can't outgive God. If you honour him with everything he's given you, everything you're producing, in this case, first fruits of your crops, he'll give back to you. It's just a natural law. If you nourish a child, they will grow well. If you feed, you will continue to grow. If you eat stuff and drink stuff, you will live well. And this is just part of worshipping God. Trust the Lord. So it shows we trust. I'm not going to go short if I honour God with my wealth. My, my testimony, your testimony, somebody's testimony is here. You, you can't outgive God. You sometimes give some you know, costly gifts to God and you just find stuff coming back at you. It's amazing. He blesses, I like this bit a little bit, it's in verse 33 if you're following it. He blesses the home of the righteous. Who are the righteous? Those in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The wise inherit honour, but fools get only shame. Who are the wise? Those that listen to God. Who are fools? Those that ignore God. That's the biblical definition. It's not an insult, it's just how it puts it. If the source of all wisdom and well-being and life is speaking to you, it's wise to listen. It's foolish not to, isn't it? That's what it's saying. And that's it. I know, you don't, you're not used to me speaking so shortly. But I want to just finish with this hymn too, because it's almost part of what I'm saying. Um, it's, um, it's not, it's um, a modern tune. But you know, the traditional tune of this hymn is, was written a hundred years after the hymn was written. <laughs> that was quite a long time after, you know. So the traditional tune isn't the traditional tune. Um, but the words are um, Charles Wesley's original. So you've got your these and your thousand, everything in it. So I think actually to respond to this and just let the spirit fill you and faith rise in you, why don't we stand and use it as a worship song? I think it's about five and a half minutes long. So it's quite a long one with many verses. And if you can, sing along with it as well. Don't, don't feel. Hallelujah. So let's all stand and let's uh, use this video to worship God. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.